There's a change happening in the way we live, the way we work, the way we spend our money and make our decisions. We are evolving to be more conscious in our actions in a way that serves the world and makes it a better place. Welcome to The Ethical Evolution. The Ethical Evolution podcast is brought to you by The Ethical Change Agency. I'm Bindi, CEO and founder, and I am honoured to bring you the stories of those who create change through paying it forward and giving back. Ethical business owners and holistic healers who are determined to create collective change in the world. Once we have a change in consciousness and through collective change, we can become one. My next guest is Nate Rifkin, an author who, on his quest to be an entrepreneur, spiraled into debt, drinking, depression, loneliness, and self-loathing. After a brutal bankruptcy and doing all he could to crawl out of the hole that he'd created, the spiritual practice of Taoism and daily standing meditation turned his entire life around. Once Nate had achieved that inner balance and peace, all the other aspects of his life started to fall into place. I truly love this honest, open, connected space with Nate, and I hope you do too. Welcome, Nate, to The Ethical Evolution. Well, thank you, Bindi. I'm honoured to be here. I am so excited to have you here. Now, we are so lucky to have a mutual friend, uh, Reverend Cherie, who's actually brought you my way, which is is so beautiful. Um, But for those people who don't know who you are, can you tell us who you are and what you do? Certainly, certainly. Well, uh, I'm a writer and I I love writing and I'm someone who just went through a pretty painful journey where I actually went through a bankruptcy. Uh, I used to be in a tremendous amount of debt um, and I actually used to be uh, extremely depressed. I drank drank alcohol every morning and I I actually managed to turn all of that around by kind of going on my own spiritual walk. So now I'm writing about it and talking about it. Um, and that's, that's why I was so happy to, that you invited me on for a conversation. Yeah. And it's incredible, um, you know, what, what you've been through and, and how you've come through it. Um, and I, I myself have been through very similar synergies, also been through bankruptcy, all those kind of things. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, depression, the whole nine yards. Um, what, what was the breaking point for you? Oh, yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it, it was kind of like it was a slow chipping and breaking, and then it all just went really <laughs> fast. So, you know, honestly, for me, it was how when I was in my early 20s, um, I was really into self-help. Um, yeah. And I I was I was the perfect like self-help prospect because I believed everything. Um, so I'd consume, you know, books and courses on goal setting and uh, visualization. And I spent all my money on that kind of stuff because because my mindset was I'm investing in my education, which um, I mean, which could be a very healthy mindset. But I was kind of like I was uh, skewing it in, in really the wrong direction because I was I was going into credit card debt for mm. it. And I was just believing anything I could get my hands on. So my breaking point was when I I looked back over the past couple of years and I realized I never achieved a single goal I set for myself. Um, And I was almost to the limit in terms of, of credit card debt. Um, 
And I, and it was that feeling of not, not just like failure, um, but it was almost like a sense of betrayal because it's like, wait a minute, I actually worked hard. Mm. I actually put in the effort and the time. So I'm like, wait a minute. It's not just, this isn't me. I mean, I might've gone wrong somewhere, but it's like, I really tried. So that was my breaking point. And, and that's when I started drinking because I'm just like, yeah, I, I must be cursed. Nothing must work. That, that was where I arrived for, for a long time. Yeah. And there's also a shame that goes with it. Would you agree? Like when you, when you find yourself in that space and it's not a place anyone wants to be in, but there's a lesson in it. But when you're in it, when you're deep in it, there's this shame that you feel that you don't want anyone to know that you failed so royally. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because the, the, what happened with me and I did feel that shame was I kept quiet about it. Mm. I kept quiet about what I was going through because I didn't want to appear unsuccessful to like fellow business owners or just um, to other, to anyone, to other people. And I, uh, I just looking back, I'm realizing now it's like, if I were more honest about where I was at, that actually could have led to better connections with other people mm. um, because, you know, the right the, I realized the right people, uh, both uh, others who are in the same position are struggling and others who have actually gotten beyond that and are in a really good space. They are, they want to, he- they want to hear the honest truth mm. and they're actually the right people will, will be on your side and encourage you. And I was just like, I didn't get that. Um, so, yeah, I know I'm glad you brought that up because, you know, it's like if we could just like take that shame and put it through a paper shredder for other mm. people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's something I talk about a lot on this show is is shame and, and what it actually does to us and yeah. and how it impacts our outcomes and our relationships and everything, you know. So, um, and how that's changed in recent decades. Like if someone was to go through that experience now, it'd be completely different to what it was, say, 20 years ago. Um, and people are more open and honest about those kind of things and they do seek help and they, they do, you know, turn it around a lot quicker than we used to. Um, and, I'm, and I'm glad that is. Um, but... And I think it's because we're we're having conversations like this. Mm. Um, so I, so anything more we can do is sort of like continue that trend where people are just more open about this thing. I, I think the better um, because those are the kinds of stories that are actually the most helpful. I mean, we we, we connect through struggle, mm. um, and the stories that inspired me the most when I was. Um, kind of on my way up and building my career were stories where someone struggled. Mm. Yeah. Straight up. Yeah. And that's it. You know, the people who are successful um, or or overcoming struggle of some sort, um, they're the people we can learn the most from and not make those mistakes over again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I totally agree because the best teachers are the ones who went through everything. Mm. If they didn't go through something, they don't have the direct experience and that can, that can make teaching a bit more difficult. I I think one of the, one of the key phrases I think for, for leadership is, is being able to say, I've been there. Mm. Absolutely. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the drinking every morning, mate, like how on earth did you get there? (laughs) Oh yeah. So, um, 
the short version is um, when I decided, I always had a dream of becoming a, a business owner, an entrepreneur of some sort. I didn't know what, but I had it, you know, in my blood, you could say. So when I, I went to college um, and I was, by the way, a really socially awkward kid. I grew up in a pretty emotionally shut down family and I just became a, a really awkward depressed kid. I was angry at first and a lot of that anger turned inward and, and mm. I, I uh, got really depressed. So when I went to college, um, it actually got worse because mm. I thought I was going to start over again and it would be, you know, around new people. But, you know, and I, I went to UMass Amherst. It's, it's this massive college in Massachusetts in the U.S. And it's like huge campus, like 18,000 students on campus. It's the size of a town. And I'm like walking around amidst a sea of strangers in this, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful campus. It's just really big, rolling green hills. And I realized I was so wrong about thinking I could start over again because I was still carrying the same self-sabotage and, and the same like really crippling shyness and awkwardness with me. Um, so my one kind of hope was that, okay, well, I still want to be a business owner of some sort. And then I started, as I started like going to classes and my, my grades were awful because I didn't care. I started wondering, do, should I really stick around for four years? Um, is anyone really going to care if I have a degree or not? And I thought, no. And coupled with that, by the way, was I was very impatient. Mm. Um, I didn't, I didn't value the, the time of, of really learning something in depth. Um, which would kind of bite me later as a business owner or a would-be business owner. So I dropped out um, and I actually, mo I moved to Colorado and I was alone. Um, I, I started uh, a company. It was, it was a small startup where I would, I decided I would um, partner with my older brother. He was super into yoga and he was really good at it. Mm. So I'm like, we made a deal where he would uh, be that he would make products and I'd help him with that and we'd sell them online and I would handle all the business side of the things, the marketing, um, uh, the advertising, uh, everything. And I had absolutely no like knowledge of business fundamentals. Like I had a talent for writing um, and we had some hit or miss success with advertising, but I was using my own credit mm. to, um, fund the business. And I was going deeper and deeper into debt, which is very scary. And it's, it got me, it put, I put myself into this desperate position where uh, I was like, everything was like, I got to like sell a bit more products like right now so mm. that I can get a little bit of money in the bank so I could pay off my rent or so I could pay off a little bit of this credit card. So I was, I entered this cycle of desperation, which really shut down like my long-term thinking, my creativity. Um, so all my thinking was skewed by that, by that, like, okay, okay, I got to like, I got to like scrounge together something right now. Coupled with that was the fact that I was still this like depressed, lonely person. Mm. Um, so I was scared and I was really depressed and all the self-help stuff wasn't working out for me. That's, that's how I started getting so fed up and so like self-loathing that I started, I started drinking because I was like, I need this buzz to get through the day. Mm. Every morning I wake up, it's just like, I need that buzz. Um, 
and I deluded myself into thinking I could I could still function like at a hundred percent in doing so. So I'd I'd pour myself like a couple of shots of vodka or something like that. I don't know how much, but it, it was triple distilled vodka. I still I still I could recognize the bottle today. Oh, wow. It was a glass bottle. And I'd pour in an equal amount of some kind of energy drink. Wow. That was my breakfast. Who yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. And, you know, what, what, what you just mentioned there, I mean, when you're going through that cycle of fear, um, you, just, you just become paralyzed and there's no way to move forward when you're in that state. Um, so how did you break the cycle? Um, I, it, something very fortunate happened to me. So I had um, a mentor in business at the time and he had um, a spiritual side to him. So he actually started teaching um, some of the more like esoteric forms of, like meditation that he learned from a spiritual tradition called uh, Taoism. Mm. So Taoism, um, it, it, it's really, uh, it's all over the world, but really it, it, it's uh, mostly centered in China. And it is, it's a really fascinating spiritual tradition. It goes back thousands of years. I had, I had no idea about Taoism, but the idea is to seek harmony through balance. Um, and there's a philosophical side to Taoism. And most people have actually heard of a lot of Taoist philosophy, even if they don't know it. Like the idea of, um, or even the quote, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. That, that's actually a, a Taoist quote from the book, The Tao Te Ching. Mm. Um, so what I didn't know is that there's actually a practical side to the philosophy and all spiritual tr traditions have a practical side to it where they have like step-by-step -step meditations to really embody the philosophy of the tradition. So I started learning about Taoist meditation. And when I first heard about it, I was just like, I was hearing all this info about like uh, practitioners of it who would meditate in caves or, you know, they'd become enlightened and become all sensitive to like energy. And I was like, sounds cool it sounds like secret it sounds like really exotic and that appealed to my ego mm. um which is super important because at that at that stage i was in like i was i was i was still really arrogant um and i needed something like that to catch my attention um and that's what i found actually is a, a kind of a truism amongst a lot of people is that no one pays attention to the guru in their own backyard, even if there's value there. They need to go on that journey where they, they, they like a, a journey of a thousand miles in order to truly value the information that they're getting. Um, so I started doing uh, a meditation and it was actually done. It was done standing up. And I, I started with just a minute a day, but I decided it's like, all right, let me try this out. And it sounds really cool. And I'm just going to do a minute a day and I'm going to add time every day. And a funny thing started to happen. I start to like feel pretty good from doing this meditation. And I felt so good that eventually, I, by the way, I was still drinking every morning. So I do the meditation, <laughs> then I go drink. Oh, well. <laughs> I was nothing if not practical. So I was like, <laughs> at least I chose to meditate first. Um, but I... <laughs> It didn't stop. I mean, so, so I go and I, I go drink and, and I, but I noticed something is like, wait a minute, the buzz I'm feeling from this meditation is kind of like catching up to the buzz I feel from the alcohol. And I'm like, this is really interesting. So after a few weeks, um, 
the buzz I got from meditating was actually at the same level of the buzz from alcohol. And it just, I just got more like drunk and disoriented after I drank the alcohol. So I thought, what's going to happen? Is this going to continue? So what was going on was that I started feeling better and better from meditating, but the alcohol was just bringing me to the same level. Mm. Now, before that level was way better than I used to be because I was so depressed and hated myself. But after uh, a couple days after the feeling was the same from meditating and drinking, meditation actually made me feel a little bit better. So what happened when I took a drink of alcohol in the morning? I actually felt a little bit worse because it was dragging me back down to that same level that used to be so, by comparison, felt so good. Mm. Now, this is just my own story. This is just what happened to me. I stopped actually drinking that vodka energy drink combo in the morning, cold turkey. Mm. And it wasn't willpower. It just, it made me feel worse. So I stopped. Um, and from then on, I was like, you know, this this is like the only thing that's really working out for me. It's like, other than the effort I have to put in, it's all upside and no downside. So I, I devoted myself to it. I'm like, I'm going to study this as much as I can. I'm going to practice this as much as I can. And that's how I started to like inwardly uh, turn my life around. Now, I still had a lot of, you know, stuff I had to go through from there, getting getting my my financial life together. But inwardly, that's how I started to turn around. And and really, when you um, can can get that inner inner balance, like you say, um, all the other things start to fall into place, don't they? Yeah, I found that's true. Um, it took longer than I wanted. It was it was tougher than I wanted. But absolutely, you know, uh, it's a licensed inside job. So once I stopped grasping outside of myself and striving forward for for some vision of of success and actually start working on myself inwardly that's when i developed the awareness that allowed me to see what a successful life was and a fulfilling life was truly going to be for me and i think that's true for everyone mm. um you know it's it's it, we in order to pick the dream that's that's really a attainable for us and that's going to fulfill us. And I think those go hand in hand. We we need that clarity and awareness. And that's only going to come when we when we start working ourselves inwardly. So we can really just quiet down that ego um, and instead find out what the the you know the more deeper, wiser, more eternal part of us actually uh, wants. Yeah, and and you're so right. It is it is an inner job, um, and you know a lot of people think, oh yeah, you know I've I've done my healing or I've 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 done my meditation, I've done my yoga, I'm all good. But it's an eternal thing. It's it's a constant evolution. It never ends because we as humans are constantly evolving. Yeah, and uh, actually, I love the way you put that. That it's because we are constantly evolving. So it's it's not a bad thing. It's a great thing. Mm. Um, you know, our, you know, it's just like I like to I like to think of it almost as brushing one's teeth or taking a shower or something like that. It's it's not like something where it's like, oh yeah, I I, uh, I went through that phase. I did that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, or or eating a meal or drinking water. This is just this, this is something that is part of sustaining our existence and thriving as a human being. And it's not like um, it's it, uh, it could be whatever spiritual path resonates with us or whatever path or whatever practice resonates with us. Um, there's there's plenty 
to, to choose from. And I think everyone has one in particular that's going to be great for them, but it has to be uh, something. Mm. It has to be something. Yeah, and I love how you put that, you know, like brushing your teeth every day. I quite often um, when I'm with clients, I'll, I'll say, you know, it's it's just like, you know, maintaining a car and it has all the different systems. You know, you, you need to look at y- your health, um, your spirituality and your mental health. Like there's all these these parts that make up you as as who you are. And one of those is that spiritual side of you and, and contributing to that growth um, supports all the others. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, totally. Oh, that's perfect. And, you know, the people who need to hear that the most are pro- are the ones who might resist that the most because it's it's sort of like, it, well, I'll, I'll just talk from my experience. Back when I was at my lowest point, the idea to work on my on, on the spiritual side was something that I would run screaming from mm. because I needed like, no, no, I need practical solutions for right now that work. Um. But what I didn't realize is that it's sort of like the equivalent of like when you're super hungry, you want to grab a, a piece of candy or something like that, which it's it's what your brain wants um, because it's going to feel good in that moment. But it's it's not what's going to actually make you thrive long term. So um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I say that in in, in case it's helpful, but, you know, I, it's it's still really it's still really difficult, you know. We all, I and I and I think that's true universally. We always there's a big part of us that um, consciously resists that which is what we most most uh, what is the next step for our growth. Yeah, and that's where I think we as humans we get in the way. Um, you know, we we're too obsessed of uh, you know what how the how of how we're going to get somewhere that we don't just trust in the fact that as long as we focus on where we need to be, all of the pieces will fall into place um, and get out of the way and stop worrying about the how, um, it'll all fall in place. Yeah, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Mm. Now, tell us about uh, your writing based on your experience. Oh, sure. Um, you know, it's interesting. So everything I, d- I just uh, I mentioned in terms of like my low point, that was about – uh, 13 years ago, ar- around about 13 years ago. I mean, it, it was over a period of time, but that was that was in general how long ago it was. And ever since then, after I kind of climbed out of that emotional pit, <laughs> you could say, I, I always thought about, you know, how uh, uh, how crucial it was to develop like an inner practice. And for me, it was Taoism that resonated with me. And ever since then, I've been kind of like, looking around and like kind of thinking myself, not a lot of people know about it. Um, so I, I decided actually three years ago to write a book about it. Um, and I wrote about, you know, I framed it as here's my, here's what happened to me and here's the lessons I learned. Um, and here's how, you know, someone could apply that, apply them to their own life. Here's how to sort of like, here's, let me unfold the lessons and, and how to like make them practical steps because I realized that I um, I went on this kind of spiritual path and I learned the hard way how to integrate it into one's day-to-day life. I mean, just as an example, after I started like turning myself around, like you could say emotionally and spiritually, I still had a tremendous amount of debt. 
Um, and I realized that I need to get a, a day job just to support myself and work on a, uh, my business and have a day job. Um, and I realized I can't even pay the minimums on my debt. So I'm going to have to file for bankruptcy. Um, and I did. I actually and I treated it as um, I, I joked that was my financial baptism. It's sort <laughs> of like I got to wash and start over. Yeah. So it was lessons like that on how like by going on a spiritual path first, when I encountered challenges, I was able to sort of see them um, from the perspective of an observer mm. and also not use them as weapons to beat myself with. Um, instead, I, instead of just hearing like, oh yeah, treat everything like a learning experience. I was actually able to embody that. Um, so I wrote the book to show how it's like, how to integrate a spiritual practice in your daily life, how to turn that into a habit that you actually use to nourish yourself. And then as a result, um, you're able, you're still you, and you're still walking through the same outer world, but you're able to respond differently to it rather than reacting to and getting knocked over by the stuff that, um, that hits you day to day. Yeah. And it's, it's so funny that you just mentioned that because, um, I've, I was just reading this morning about detachment and, and, you know, going through situations where you're the observer and not, not, you know, you re- you react differently, so you're actually um, you know choosing a courageous um, reaction instead of being so immersed in it that you just lose um, all you know context. So that detachment really does help you to get through difficult situations or even just daily challenges. Um, you know, oh, yeah. and your reactions to them, um, and the stress that you let go of, and all the other emotions that you t- you hold on to as part of that attachment, um, they're just all gone. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's brilliant, and um, I think a lot of people um, hear about something like detachment and they're like, wait a minute, what does that mean? Because it's, it's it's really easily it, or it's really easy to think, oh. D- d- detachment does that mean i don't care no. or does that mean i just kind of like put on the, yeah exactly no of course not it, it, or so, or i put on this like you know uh, you know um, uh what is this emotional neutrality and a lot of people might interpret that as like shutting down the emotions which is really just stuffing them down but what it's about is is understanding that um you have an eternal soul um and and everyone does so the detachment means, I mean, it means a lot of things, but to me, what's coming up for me right now is it means you are seeing things from the proper perspective. Mm. You're seeing something from a perspective of the event is temporary. Mm. My feelings about it, if I process them in a healthy way, are going to be even more temporary. Yep. So I can I can extract what is what is what is the lesson here that I'm supposed to learn. And then implement that lesson, whether it's working on my own life or passing it on to someone else. Um, and at, by having that mindset, you're detaching yourself from your own um, pain that could result from that, your own suffering. So, so that's what it means. Um, it, it reminds me of actually a story of a, a Taoist farmer. And the farmer, um, one day he had a horse, like a plow horse, and the horse ran away. So the townspeople came by and were just like, oh, that's so terrible. Your horse ran away. And he's like, well, don't don't say it's 
you know, it's like, it's bad. It's like, well, don't say good. Don't say bad. Just say my horse ran away. So that was detachment. And, mm. and people are just like, what, what is with this guy? Well, in the story, the next day, the horse comes back and brings along some wild horses with it. And then the townspeople are like, oh, you lucky dog. You know, you're, oh, that's so good. He's like, well, don't say good. Don't say bad. Just simply say my horse came back with a bunch of other horses. So, and, you know, and it continues from there with all these events. So he, he's not like this stone cold person, but the idea is he, he understands the ebb and flow of life. Mm, yeah. And it's, it's really um, just seeing things from that outer perspective of instead of attaching all the emotion to the, to what's happened, it's just, it's just what it is, you know? Um, it's, it's so fascinating. That could be a whole podcast in itself. <laughs> yeah. Right? Now, Nate, um, you know, with all you've been through, um, what would you say has been your biggest um, challenge and how did you overcome it? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, the biggest challenge for me was because I early earlier in life, um, because I had gotten so into self-help um, and because I had really uh, failed with it so, or I had failed with it so much, the biggest challenge was um, it sh- it really shut down my childlike um, attitude of exploration, um, and I became very bitter and became very jaded. So the most the biggest challenge for me was what how do I open myself to when there is a genuinely uh, uh, healthy lesson to come along in life. Because I and I, I I think we all go through that when when we've we've encountered enough pain um, and we we've been hurt so much that we're like um we're like a, a a dog that had a bad owner and the dog is going to snarl even if you try and reach out and help it mm. and I I think that could be one of the, that was my biggest challenge because it was self perpetuating um, and it was it was it was keeping me locked down and it was keeping me in a really harmful, hurtful place and making myself my own worst enemy. Even when there was a world of opportunity around me, I I was blind to it. I made myself blind to it. Um, So that was my, that was definitely my biggest challenge. Um, And the, the way I got out of it was actually by not trying to solve that directly. Um, I, I've had this come up multiple times in my life. Um, more recently, actually, was, you know, I was working with a, a therapist and it was I was working with them because I wanted to um, I wanted to get married or or at least I, I wanted to meet the woman in my dreams, you know, and, and I, I did get married. Spoiler alert. Congratulations. Um, <laughs> uh, thank you. So he recognized that if we wanted to face my challenges in like connecting with other people. Um, we couldn't face them head on. So instead he started asking me about my parents and we started working on how I could communicate with my parents. So it was totally indirect, but as a result, um, he was able to sneak around all my, all my self-imposed blocks to, to, to succeeding. And, and as a result, actually, I was, I was able uh, to meet uh, the lovely lady who had become my wife. Um, so I, I think so. So it's, since you asked me my greatest challenge, I figure I'd, I'd, I'd kind of riff a bit about how I overcame that. And, and the idea is that 
you have to if you're if you have a lot of um walls up around something you you really have to get you can't go through them you have to start working on other parts of your life and that that will allow your walls to come down I couldn't agree more. Could not agree more. Um, you know, most people who knew me about two, three years ago, I was a very angry, <laughs> um, unapproachable person. Um, and people who see me now, they go, I could never imagine you that way, ever. And it's yeah. like, mm, yeah. <laughs> so when you do work on all the other stuff, the walls do come down. So um, it's never as obvious as we think it is either. So as you stated there. Now, Nate, i got to ask you this one. Can you define for me what ethical means to you? Sure. Um, and I've been, I've been giving this a lot of thought. It, it actually reminds me of a conversation I, I had with a, a friend of mine just yesterday. Well, if we go back in time, um, it, was, it was normal for people to live together um, in, in intimate communities. Everyone knew each other. Um, and we had marketplaces. The idea that we are able to transact with each other um, and do business with each other without ever seeing each other communicate with each other is new. It's actually like, I mean, we all grew up with it, but in the scale of, of the existence of human beings, it is actually really new. It's actually really weird. So, for me, the reason I say all that is because for me, ethics comes from the idea that you're acting, you're conducting yourself in a way where everyone to you is that person that could be sitting across from you at a campfire. Um, every person that you do business with is someone that you could be interacting with daily for the next um, few decades. And if your conduct can't live up to that, then I then there's it's not guaranteed I guess but there's there's probably an almost almost certain chance that you're not behaving uh, ethically and I think um, similar to that is uh, Warren Buffett's definition he he said a lot better than me he's just like if your behavior were going to be reported on the front page of the newspaper tomorrow would you be cool with that so it's like okay that's a lot better but <laughs> I figured I'd, I'd weave my way into that. That's uh, that's what we call here in um, in Queensland. We call it the Courier Mail test. That's that's the biggest paper here in in Queensland. <laughs> and uh, yeah, if you end up on the front page of that, would you be happy with it? Probably mm, not. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very good way to look at it. Um, so, um, what are your future plans, uh, Nate? What are you working on at the moment? Uh, book number two. Book number two. Uh, and I'm I'm just trudging through the first draft. So. You know, everyone can please send their prayers to me. It's just like, oh, <laughs> first drafts are just, you know, you just got to be like, all right, <laughs> I'll edit it later. Um, but, you know, honestly, well, that I mean, that is what I'm doing right now. But it, in terms of like big picture, um, I love writing. So I'm I'm going to be publishing more books um, and 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 I hope to have more awesome conversations um, about all the all the trials I went through and all the stuff I learned to help people uh, avoid the worst of it. Yeah, and that's it. You know, a, a burden shared is a burden halved, isn't it? So the more we can share your story, um, perhaps others will get that breakthrough that they need too. I've never heard that before. That's really cool. A burden shared is a burden halved. I love it. I'm full of them. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's cool. That's super cool. Now, Nate, if people want to find out more about you and uh, find out what you do or, or even get your book, where can they go? Uh, they go to the website, thestandingmeditation.com. Um, and right as, as of now, that just goes right to uh, the book's page on Amazon. And, you know, I wrote that with the intention of, like, just starting from zero. Well, like someone could just like, it could flop open in front of them. It's like, all right, what's going on here? Yeah. Um, the book will take them all the way through. So I, I, that is the absolute best place to start. Awesome. Now I got the last big question for you. You ready? Let's do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what's the change you'd like to see in the world and how can we bring it to life? Ooh, that's really good. That is a really good one. Um, the change I would like to see in the world, you know, here's what it is. I believe you know, people are inherently, um, they're inherently creative. They're inherently, they have the, the right to thrive. Um, and, and that's a right just bestowed by the, by our eternal souls. It's not a, it's not a right bestowed by another human being. Um, so I would love to see a change where everyone has equal opportunity to do so. They have equal opportunity to education and the tools to access it. Um, And they have an equal opportunity to be not only to be able to consume in terms of consume knowledge, but equal opportunity to be able to deliver that knowledge. Um, So I think the best thing we can do is, um, is, is have more conversations like this where we're able to spread the word about entrepreneurship and how we can and how to facilitate being a business owner, um, whether whether it's a, a owning a company or just being like a, a solopreneur, um, because I think the more we do that, it's like spreading sunshine throughout the world. And sunshine, sunshine is the best. I love the phrase sunshine is the best disinfectant. Mm. Um, so I think off the top of my head, that's that's what I would like to see most. Wow, that's that's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Nate, I can't thank you enough for being a part of the ethical evolution. I have loved every minute. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. I was honored to be here. Thanks for listening to the Ethical Evolution podcast. If you're an ethical business owner, change maker, or holistic healer who's determined to make a change in the world and you need support to spread your message, visit ethicalchangeagency.com to collaborate. Welcome to the Candle Power Hour. Come with us backstage, behind the scenes of show business spanning over four decades and bringing you the experiences that can only be told by the people who were there. Our guests are from the A-list, the F-list, and everyone in between. Get set for some of the most insane, hilarious, and inspiring stories you will ever hear. I'm Mercury. And I'm Diego. Your hosts for the The Candle Candle Power Power Hour. Hi, I'm Lessa Cadet, host of her Extraordinary Life by Design podcast, where we celebrate women who are shaping their lives one extraordinary day at a time. I speak with women from all over the world about what they do and how they are passionately pursuing their dreams and creating meaningful impacts on their communities. So come join us and learn about all there is to learn about these extraordinary women. Electric Acid.